money is kind of interchangeable with confidence, right? If you have really low confidence, you need a ton of money in the bank to feel comfortable. And if you have a lot of confidence, you can just be like a vagabond and live on nothing. You don't know where your next like money is coming from, but you like can kind of live the life the way you want. Hey there, I'm Goli Kalkaran, and this is Lessons from a Quitter, where we believe that it's never too late to start over. No matter how much time or money you've spent getting to where you are, if ultimately you are not happy, then it's time to get out. If you're feeling stuck and you feel like there's got to be more, there's got to be a way to feel fulfilled and excited about what you do, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I will sit down with an inspiring guest who quit their professional career in order to forge their own path and create a life that they love. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm so happy you're here. If you haven't joined our email list, go ahead and do that on the website. I send out a weekly email that has some kind of video or article, very short, that will help you learn something. Who doesn't love learning? It'll help you overcome fear and figure out what your biases are and how you can be more lucky, et cetera, et cetera. So if that sounds like something you would like, go to lessonsfromaquitter.com and join that email list. I am really excited about our guest today, Matt and Allie Owen. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because I feel like when we're stuck in our careers and our head down and we're working long hours and, you know, there's just so much going on in life, we don't get a chance to really realize all the opportunities that are out there. And I didn't know about any of this stuff when I was working as a lawyer. But since I've quit, I've learned so many different things about the online community and what people are doing. And one of the things that I see coming up over and over again are people that are traveling the world or traveling the country and working remotely and doing these online jobs. And a lot of them are part of a community called the FIRE community, which stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And so there's this huge movement of people that are figuring out how much they really need to live off of their investments and to retire early and to, you know, and retiring early doesn't, I think, mean what we historically think of retiring, where it's like going golfing every day and not working. It might mean doing side hustles and doing other things, but it means that you can live off of your savings while you try other things and maybe you can make like a little income here and there. Anyways, it is a huge movement and Matt and Allie are part of this movement and I wanted them on because they are both engineers. They were both working in oil and gas, making six figures each. So they were making over $200,000 together in California and they were miserable. And they decided that they wanted to try to save up and retire early. That plan got cut short. And within a couple of years of being a part of this fire community, they quit their engineering jobs to travel the Americas in their bright red sprinter van, Clifford. They balance their time between helping millennials get out of debt through their coaching services and education programs at Owen Your Future and by helping people treat themselves on a keto diet through their baked goods company called Primal Noms. Now, we'll get through all that. And I think that they offer really good insight into how they got involved into the FIRE community and how the FIRE community can help people on all types of budgets and people that want to live, you know, maybe more frugally or even less frugally, but just be more aware of what their spending habits are and how that can affect their future. Uh, I'm so excited they're here. So let's jump in and talk to Allie and Matt. Hi, Allie and Matt. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you, Goli, for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited. I think you guys' story and journey is so interesting. So I want to jump right in. And before we get to all the exciting stuff that you guys are doing with your traveling, let's talk a little bit about how you guys got here. So tell us a little bit about what you studied in school and what the earlier part of your career looked like. So we both were engineers. We're different kinds of engineers. I'm a petroleum, which is a subset of chemical engineering. And I studied mechanical engineering mm-hmm. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then um, we both got hired pretty much right out of school. So I got hired by a oil and gas company in mm-hmm. California straight out of college and worked there for five years or so. And that brings us kind of to where we are today. Yeah. I, I was in the oil and gas industry as well, working for a different company, but in the same town as Matt. And that's actually where we met in that town. And so when you guys were uh, were working in oil and gas, was there a time, you know, when you were, I don't know whether it was in college when you were studying engineering or once you started working where you started realizing like, I don't really like this or this isn't for me. I don't want to like keep working like this. I think it was different for both of us, for sure. For me, like my first day of work, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this for <laughs> 45 more years. Yeah. And Honestly, I wasn't stimulated and I just felt really bored and (laughs) I just like didn't feel like I was aligned with my, my, like even my, my best skills. I felt like I was just going through the motions every day. And I mean, I was doing well according to my boss and society standards, but internally I never felt like I was living out my truth and my purpose. Yeah, I enjoyed my job a little bit more when mm-hmm. I first started. I really enjoyed like, the problem-solving side of engineering. Um, I enjoyed that during school, and the job I got placed in was working pretty hands-on with equipment and troubleshooting and stuff like that. I think I started out like pretty happy with my job, mm-hmm. um, other than I worked like pretty long hours. I worked an hour out of town because I was in the middle of the oil field. Oh. So there were some like other logistical things with the job that weren't ideal, but the job itself, I think was good. Mine kind of grew more over time as me and Allie talked more about what we wanted for our future. And I started looking at the job that I was doing and seeing that that really wasn't going to get us to where we wanted to go. And what do you mean by that? Like, Are you talking in terms of like money or in terms of what you wanted to be doing? I think it's more like the lifestyle we wanted to live. So yeah, we... We're making great money, obviously, working in oil and gas, Mm -hmm. Um, but we were living in a town we didn't really want to live in. Neither of us really felt like at home there. We like to be outside a lot and experience a lot of nature. And we were living in Bakersfield, California, which is kind of just like a desert. (laughs) And it was was less than ideal for a lot of reasons. So we started looking at the jobs we're doing and we're like, well, is this going to get us to like the lifestyle we want to live later? And they weren't. So I feel like the natural thing to do is to say, like, I don't like this. So I'm going to look for another job in this field. Maybe oil and gas isn't for me, but I'm going to try to find an engineering job in Colorado or wherever it is that would like fit your lifestyle. Uh, I think you'd said in another interview that you were making six figures. So you guys were making good money. Why was it that you weren't satisfied with like trying to find that somewhere else? So I think for me, I felt like just going to another job would just like be trying to put a bandaid on like a gushing wound Mm -hmm. and it would, it would help for a little while, you know, like there's always this new period of being in a new job where you're like, Oh, this is like kind of interesting or, you know, there's like a honeymoon phase. But at the end of the day, I think if I just kept going to a different job, then I wouldn't be actually 
truthful to myself about like, I want to be my own boss and how I want to live my life. And yeah, I mean, I think it, not to speak for Ali, but we've talked before obviously about this. And I think a big thing for her was like impact also, mm-hmm. like she felt like she wasn't connecting with the people that she was helping in her corporate job, which I think is something that a lot of people in corporate America can relate to mm-hmm. just because you're kind of removed from your customers and the people that like you're actually helping. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the point that I'm trying to get at. And I think it's very insightful of you guys. The situation with me is I realized that if I keep changing the jobs, I don't like the day-to-day of what I'm doing. And I can do it for a different company, (laughs) but it's going to be the same thing. And a lot of times I think we try to ignore that because, you know, you have the six-figure salary and you're successful and and you studied, you know, and you have this degree and you don't want it to go to waste. But like, if you're honest with yourself, you just don't like that work. And that's okay. It's okay to say like, I made the wrong choice. Like I maybe shouldn't be an engineer or like for me, I shouldn't be a lawyer or or whatever it is. But that's kind of the harder decision to get to. And I think you guys kind of got there very quickly. Yeah, there was that kind of like, I think it's called the lost cost fallacy. It's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've invested all this time into becoming this thing that was supposed to be my career or be, you know, the thing that makes me money and gives me purpose. But admitting to yourself that it doesn't is really yeah. hard. Yeah, that was challenging. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about once you started realizing this is not what you want to do. I know you guys kind of became aware of the FIRE community. So explain to mm-hmm. us a little bit what the FIRE community is, how you kind of became aware of it, and how that kind of set you on your path. I would say for me, FIRE came first before me really like considering wanting to leave my job. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a catalyst that kind of put me in a position where I could like see this different future for myself than I could previously. We found it because I think Ali stumbled across a blog who's pretty prolific in like the early retirement space and his name's Mr. Money Mustache. So for us, like he was definitely the, the starter of everything. So we kind of like, I just devoured his entire blog and like, really resonated with a lot of the things that he was saying. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so can you give us a little like synopsis of like what the community believes, like basically what the tenants of the FIRE community are? Yeah. So the FIRE community really is just about like prioritizing your money to purchase your freedom instead of things. So mm. it kind of runs in line with like some minimalist. And, Anti-consumerism. Yeah. But it's Frugality. It's, Yeah, the real goal is like to use your money really wisely to live the best life that you can. And a lot of times for a lot of people, that means escaping corporate work or a job they're not super happy with. So the idea is wise investing, like heavy saving to build enough of a nest egg that you don't have to work anymore. Or you can work on a project that inspires you that doesn't make any money or like you can volunteer or do whatever it is that you want to do because you're no longer like constrained and handcuffed at this job just to pay your bills. And that's becoming really big. I know I've seen it a lot. You were saying like the minimalist movement too is becoming really big where people are realizing that all this consumerism and these golden handcuffs where you're buying the expensive house and the expensive car and all these things, but you're miserable and you're depressed and hate your job is, is just not worth it. And so I have seen a huge rise, especially with, I think, younger people, millennials kind of realizing, well, if I make less, but do what I love doing and be able to live off of that, then I'd be much happier than staying in a city that I hate making a lot more. So when you guys learned about it, what did you guys start doing in order to kind of move towards that financial freedom? So when we, whenever we started it, we were basically spending everything we made and we were making together, we're making 250K. So we 
we're blowing through money pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) But given that we were making such high salaries, it wasn't that much of a sacrifice to start cutting off things that just didn't make sense. Like I was spending $200 a month in clothes and (laughs) going to Starbucks all the time and like basic things that we see everyone else doing and we're like, oh, okay, like I have a job. Like I need to be getting my nails done Mm -hmm. every two weeks. I need to be, you know, having these expensive hair treatments. I need to be doing all that. That was like me. Matt was more frugal initially. (laughs) I was, yeah. Just kind of from the family I grew up in who were very like middle class. Dad always like, you know, worked on his own cars and did everything around the house that he could kind of DIY. But yeah, so I just like really started tracking everything. Because before we didn't really pay any attention. We just paid attention to the numbers in our bank account. Like as long as those were like going up or staying about flat, we were happy. But we never really like connected with our money on a level that we knew where everything was going. Mm -hmm. So that was something that like I'd picked up from like reading these blogs. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like just recommending to really kind of get in touch with your money. Mm -hmm. And when we started doing that, we did. We started seeing a lot of places that we were spending money that weren't necessarily making us happy or any happier than we would be without it. Right. And those were easy things to just like cut off the top. We're like, okay, we don't need that. Like it doesn't really bring me any joy, make my life that much better, but I'm spending this money doing it. Yeah. So that was really the first step. And that took us from, you know, basically breaking even spending just about what we were making to saving about like 40% of our incomes Mm -hmm. within the first year or so. Mm -hmm. Did you have like an end goal? Like, was it just like, let's just start saving or was it, wait, I want to save for five years and then I'm going to quit? Or, you know, how did you start your journey? Yeah, so our initial plan was definitely to save up enough investments that we could quit and never go back to work. Initially, that looked like we'd probably be saving for like 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. We hadn't really trimmed our, our spending back that much yet. We're like, okay, we need like sixty-five, dollars $70,000 a year to be pretty happy. A general like rule of thumb that's used a lot in the fire community is called the 4% rule. And that basically is if you live off of 4% of what you have in your investments each year, that'll last forever. So whatever your yearly spending is times 25 is how much you need saved up in your investment accounts. You guys have calculated that and and realized that you need about 10 years of savings in order to get to that 4% that you could live off of. Yeah, yeah, like 10 to 15 at that point. But then we quickly started looking at other ways to reduce our expenses further, other ways to like make more money, starting businesses, mm-hmm. doing like real estate investing. So it really like grew substantially over the next like three to four years until we ended up quitting. So you did it for about three or four years and then you quit. So what happened that you kind of cut that short? Were you at a place where you could then retire off the investments that you had? Or was it just like, I can't keep working like this? There was a couple of reasons. One was like we had all these skills that we had gained from saving so much money. And we had a lot of more confidence having all mm-hmm. of this kind of like, we call it FU money. Mm-hmm. Like you can say FU to whatever, you know, doesn't serve you or doesn't, you know, make you happy anymore. And we, we do want to have kids in the next couple of years. And so we were thinking if we continue down this path of like continuing to fire tradition, traditionally fire and, you know, work for six more years, we want to have kids in that time frame. And we didn't want to have kids in Bakersfield. We didn't want to plant right. roots, any more roots in Bakersfield. <laughs> and so we were like, well, this path that we're on isn't going to take us where we want to be. So we need to be creative and figure out what else we can do. So a year and a half ago, we started businesses. Two, we have two businesses, one that is 
financial coaching and courses. And another is a ketogenic and paleo treat company, food company. And so through those, now we're, that's, we kind of like veered from the traditional Mm. FI retirement track to a more entrepreneurial track. But I think the journey to FI has really served us a lot. Right. Did you start those businesses while you were still working or did you guys quit and then start those businesses? We did. We started them while we were working Okay. with the intention of, you know, getting some income replacement to kind of make the jump and, mm-hmm. and leave that way. Yeah. And what you were just saying, you were served. I mean, I think that's a great point in the sense that I don't think it has to be an all or nothing thing. You know, I think learning yeah. those tools and, and just becoming conscious, I guess, of your spending or really conscious of like what makes you happy, how much money do you really need? You know, I think a lot of times most of us don't ever sit down to think about that kind of stuff. And it's always this quest for more and more and more. And then it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter like at what cost that more is, but you start realizing like, really, what do I need in order to be happy? And even if you do still have to work, but at least being really conscious of where you're spending your money and how much you really want to make or need to make for your family is such an important tool that I think a lot of people overlook. Definitely. When we were living in the van, Um, It was like we were spending $2,000 a month on all of our expenses and just being able to be like, okay, all we need is $2,000 a month. You know, we can go work any job. Yeah. Each of us make $1,000 like in minimum wage jobs. And like, we don't, you know, it's like empowering to a extent because you're like, I don't have to have this certain lifestyle to be happy. I can be happy on like so much less. Yes. Oh my God. I really want to get to that too. And I want to get to the van and what you guys have been doing with traveling. But when you were saying that, that you will create these mental jails of like what you have to do. And once you break free of that and you realize, oh my God, there's so much more opportunity, things become easier. But a lot of times when you're in it, it's really hard. So I think a lot of people listening to this might think like, oh, I could never live in a van or whatnot. So what was your experience before you leave? Like when you're quitting from like your family or friends, when you're quitting a six-figure job, even if you're doing this fire community, people are always fearful of what's going to happen in the future. And it's like, you're giving up this position and you're all the things you worked for to go live in a van and, and travel cross country. Like, Did your family have objections and think you're crazy? Definitely. (laughs) And I think, like you said, it is mostly fear-based. When they disapprove of what we're doing, it's they are fearful that we are going to crash and burn and be dependent on them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That we'll be somehow worse off because of mm -hmm. it. I I think a, a thing that has always stuck with me is like other people's expectations of me are not my responsibility. Uh, I love that. While they have expectations of me to continue the six figure job, like that isn't really on me. Like that's on them. That's their expectation. So they kind of have to deal with that. (laughs) And it's not my job. Yeah. And that's a great way to look at it, but it is easier said than done. I think so many of us get so caught up in what people think. And especially taking this kind of a leap requires confidence in yourself and knowing that you're going to be able to figure it out. And when we always have, you know, that self-doubt anyways, and then somebody else is kind of like, are you crazy? You know, like you start really thinking, you know, I don't want to ruin my life. Should I, you know? And so I think you're absolutely right that like you shouldn't be living for other people's expectations, but it's so hard to break free from that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we'd be full of it if we told you we didn't kind of waffle back and forth right. some and have some of those moments yeah. where like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> is this the right choice? Because that definitely runs through your mind, right. and especially as you hit like other 
you know, hurdles and challenges that come your way after you've left mm-hmm. this job and we have, you know, a big expense or lose some money and you're like, oh, I should have just stayed making right. this like good yeah, money. Right. So there's definitely times where that comes up. But yeah, it really just comes down to like the confidence in your ability to figure it out. Yeah. I think. And that really grew on us and we like obtain that confidence through these like four to five years of really making these life shifts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. pursuing fire really aggressively with like the skills we've learned, you know, have this pretty good like nest egg saved mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this money's kind of interchangeable with confidence, right? If you have really low confidence, you need a ton of money in the bank <laughs> right. to feel comfortable. <laughs> and if you have a lot of confidence, you can just be like a vagabond right. and live on nothing. You ha- you don't know where your next like money is coming from, but you like can kind of live the life the way you want. So everyone's on this spectrum somewhere. And we found like as we started to like build more of that confidence, we didn't need to have as much of that money. And that's what allowed us to leave work before we actually hit our our number where we could theoretically retire forever. Okay, so when you guys want to leave, you, you guys decide to convert a Sprinter van and travel the U.S. So how did you come up with that idea? And how did you convert this van? And where did that journey start? Yeah, so like I was talking about, we started kind of evaluating our lifestyles and whether that was going to line up with what we wanted when we had kids, kind of putting the family and the lifestyle first when we we're making decisions. So we knew we didn't want to settle down in Bakersfield, but we weren't sure where we wanted to settle down. So we started looking at ways to kind of travel the country and figure out, you know, where our next home might be, especially if the businesses work out and we can be location independent, Mm -hmm. which is really our goal um, and kind of going down the entrepreneurial route. Well, first we looked at like getting on a sailboat because we wanted to just (laughs) travel the world, I think, but then decided that might be a little challenging with the businesses <laughs> to be out in the middle of the ocean for long periods of time. So we started looking at, you know, how can we just travel the country? We looked into like getting an RV, all of like the older, cheaper RVs get horrible gas mileage. Mm. And the ones that we were, we knew we wanted to cover some ground. So the newer ones were pretty expensive, right. 60 to hundred K. And then we kind of stumbled into like van life through YouTube, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and saw these people in their self-converted sprinters, you know, just kind of living their life on their own terms. And I think it was really attractive to us. So we jumped into that and quit and built the van in six weeks and hit the road. That's so cool. And like you just said, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of it or not, but once you start looking at it, it's this huge movement of like remote working and people traveling the world and the country and working from various places. Because obviously now you can do everything over the internet. And so, you know, while I think a lot of people may listen to this and think like, this is such a crazy idea to do it, it, it is actually a lot more popular than I think most people realize right now. It's happening a lot. So it's cool that, you know, with all these, the tools, like you can look up on YouTube and figure out, you know, how to convert a van into somewhere that you can live. (laughs) We definitely built our whole van via YouTube. (laughs) I learned everything I needed to know. That's so funny. So how long have you guys now been traveling and working on the road? So we left our jobs in April of this year. And then we got on the road at the end of May. And we traveled until now basically Mm -hmm. we're settling down for the winter so oh okay so about six months so what has kind of been the best and worst part of this six months of this traveling like what you kind of expected and and what the reality of it is the best is definitely like catching up with old friends and family that you haven't seen in years as we were traveling we really tried to like make a point to stop and 
obviously just like experiencing the nature of beautiful places like the Northeast of the US. We've mm-hmm. never really spent much time on the East Coast. So those are definitely the best. The worst. Do you want to say? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, the reason we're settling down was just because we felt like it was really difficult to run businesses and travel full time, mm-hmm. let alone, I guess, kind of start businesses. I think yeah. if you have businesses that were running already, it might be a little more attainable. Yeah. But we found that we were really trying to like do it all at once. Start mm-hmm. two businesses plus travel daily. And like, <laughs> experience locations we were in was just yeah. like a little bit too much for us. It was like we were having to like spend a couple days in town, like at Walmart parking lots because like <laughs> we needed service. Right. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, this isn't really all that, that glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That, that makes sense. And I think that the a lesson in this is that there are no like rules, right? So you could yeah. travel for six months and then hunker down for six months and then travel again. You know, I think that's kind of the freedom in this. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think when people start realizing what's possible, it's a lot of times people get stuck to like some kind of a plan. Like if they say they're going to travel the world for a year, they have to do it for a year. And it's like, well, no, yeah. you could do it. And then if in six months you see like, hey, you know, I'm tired and I want to be in one place or this wasn't what I wanted. Like nobody is holding you to anything, you know, and that's such a cool amount of freedom to have. Totally. Yeah. And that is totally what happened. Like we didn't have any intention of really stopping for the winter. Yeah. But as we'd been living in the van for, you know, several months, we're like, okay, this is more challenging than we thought. Just Mm -hmm. the time management aspect and making sure that like, we're both enjoying where we are, but putting enough effort into the businesses, which we know Mm -hmm. is like crucial to our long-term plan. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the businesses that you're running? I know you mentioned like you're doing financial education for like millennials. Tell us a little about what that entails. Just to back up, I thought it was funny that, you know, your podcast is all about quitting and we're like quitting van life again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we're, like, you're in the right quitter. place. <laughs> <laughs> we're like quitting everything. <laughs> I, I, I like that you said that. I mean, I do think that is the point of this whole thing is that like we hold ourselves to these things. And then if it doesn't happen the way we want it, we like beat ourselves up and it's like, oh, I'm such a failure. What are people going to say? And I didn't do. And it's like, who cares, you know, like try it. And like what you were saying, you know, Matt was just saying you weren't planning on this, but like, how could you know until you started? Like, how could you know Mm -hmm. what life on a van, you know, across country is going to be like until you do it? And then once you do it, you realize, hey, we got to like tweak this or that because this isn't what I wanted. Yeah, it's freeing to be able to give yourself the permission to quit for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, so on our journey to FI, we gained a ton of skills in reducing our expenses and starting these businesses. And so we we just want to share that wisdom and knowledge with people on how to basically optimize your expenses to maximize your happiness and your maximize your life's joy. So that business is definitely really close to our heart because pursuing FI and learning these these skills has just given us so much more freedom. Yeah, so. totally life-changing for us, for mm-hmm. sure. And to just make a point, too, like because we just said that, I think that FI, what I want people to understand, too, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be that you have to live off of $2,000 a month. You know, like if your goal is to have, you know, a higher salary, there's still ways to do that, right? Like you guys' course yeah. and stuff can kind of help people just optimize what it is, like figure out what your goal is, what you want to live off of, and how much you have to make in order to get to that. Absolutely. I mean, there's no one size fits all for this. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people find that they are as happy as they were by reducing their expenses and reducing your expenses is kind of like a double edged sword. You 
have to save less so you can get out earlier. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people do find themselves going that direction. Yeah. But there are a lot of people in the fire community that are retiring on a hundred thousand dollar plus. Mm-hmm. The physician on fire is one I think of right now. Yeah. He has a big blog. He's a doctor. Oh, Early cool. Retiring now. He was he worked in the financial industry in San Francisco. Um, mm-hmm. and he just retired. But yeah, they're planning to live on more than like a hundred thousand right. dollars a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but still following these practices mm-hmm. to just you know, ensure their early retirement as well as, yeah, just connect with their spending and how that relates to their happiness. And maintaining flexibility too. Like when you retire at 40 and you're planning on living on a hundred K a year and the market takes a crap, like they have the flexibility to live on less. Right. They know they can do that or they have the flexibility to get another job or figure out a way to make income so they don't have to pull on their investments during that time. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of different strategies that people will use to just kind of, Mm. yeah, be flexible because you never know what the future holds. Like Mm. all of the math that we've done is all based on, you know, past market market history, which obviously doesn't predict what's going to happen in the future. So you have to go into it knowing that things could definitely change and you might have to be flexible. Right. Yeah. I might have to change with mm-hmm. it. So. Absolutely. And that's good to know. I mean, obviously I think that's what people's fears are is like, okay, maybe I could do it now, but what happens if the market tanks or whatnot? And so mm-hmm. it's good to know, like, obviously people are thinking of this stuff when they're doing this. They're not just like jumping in and quitting their job, trying to wing it. So it's good <laughs> to know that. So your guys's course is, is online. I know you mentioned to me before the call that you're having a free webinar or a class on November 1st. Yeah, on November 1st, we're doing like personal finance 101 course for teaching people how to get out of debt and master their money. And we just are answering all the frequently asked questions that we've gotten about like how to get your spouse on board to talk yeah. about money. <laughs> that, that's actually great. I was actually going to ask that because like you guys, it's mm-hmm. great. You're both on the same page. But I think a lot of people have like they might love doing it, but their spouse is used to a certain type of lifestyle and doesn't want to yeah. like quit. Or if you have kids, I think it's obviously makes the situation a little bit more difficult. So I'm glad you raised that. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A big part of our course, which is actually coming out the first part of November, so mm-hmm. it hasn't quite launched yet, will be around relationships and how to yeah. have like good, productive money conversations with your spouse or significant other. Because we know it's just such a huge challenge mm-hmm. that a lot of couples face. But as far as like us getting on the same page, I think it really came down to looking at what we wanted our life to look like in the future. So when we started talking about having a family and like, what do we want our time to look like that we can spend with our kids? Mm -hmm. Where do we want to live? Those things helped crystallize what we needed out of our life. Mm -hmm. So push us down this path to fire even stronger. So like, this is the answer to being able to spend a lot of time at home, um, not being at work 12 hours a day while your kids are in daycare and things that we, we didn't want to do. Right. So getting our values on the, Like talking about what we wanted really helped get those values lined up. And then our actions were naturally followed that. And I'm definitely the natural spender and (laughs) Matt is definitely the natural saver. And so for me, like being able to see how daily actions affect our long-term goals. Matt has this spreadsheet where it shows like if you save you know, $3 a day extra from not going to Starbucks, like how that can affect your financial situation in 10 years. It's like, oh my gosh, okay, (laughs) how can I, you know, enjoy, even enjoy this $3 expense anymore? When I know (laughs) in the future, it's like taking away from 
you know, the happiness I want to have that. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was big for us. And I think big for, for some couples we've worked with and mm-hmm. other people was really like, it's hard to consider what it looks like 20 years from now, like what you do today mm-hmm. and tomorrow and this week and this month, how you do on your mm-hmm. monthly budget, like mm-hmm. really matters. So I started doing that just for us when we were trying to figure out like how this whole FI thing works. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm a spreadsheet nerd. So I was like, all right, let me like build some forecasts in here. And it was like really eye opening for, especially for Allie and myself, but mm-hmm. I think other people have gotten a lot of value out of that. Yeah. Whenever we started dating, I remember I was so out of touch with my money. I told him that I thought it was cheaper to eat out than it was to eat, to cook at home. Oh, I've heard that a lot from people, actually. Yeah, I don't think that's, like, an uncommon thing that people think, especially because, like, you go somewhere and you get, like, a bowl for six bucks and you think, oh, mm-hmm. if I went and bought all this stuff, it would have cost more. And yeah. it's just not the reality. No, no. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. And I, you guys also have, a, you were saying your keto diet is the, the yeah. is that a food business? Yeah, it's a food product. And how uh, do you do that from a Sprinter van? <laughs> yeah that was a challenge we have one product right now which is like a mug cake it's a dessert Uh Um, so a low carb personal cake basically for Uh people that are following a ketogenic diet and before we'd taken off the van we developed it and found someone that would produce it for us okay so we had a guy in virginia that would make up all of the products and then hold it and ship Mm -hmm. it for us out of there so you're not like baking it in your spinner van no exactly (laughs) Good to know. Violate a lot of them. Good to know. Yeah, so we had a co-manufacturer. Is what it's called? Co-manufacturer for you. This winter, when we're settling down, we're going to bring that back in house. Like we're lining up a commercial kitchen that me and Allie can work in, Mm -hmm. um, just so we can do more experimentation and kind of iterate faster. We can make different products and see how they do, and Mm -hmm. um, hopefully grow that business back to the point where we can then push production back off onto somebody else so we can travel again in a year or less hopefully very cool well do you guys have any recommendations like i know you you mentioned a bunch of blogs that i will link to in the show notes but any other like books and resources that you'd recommend for people that are interested in the fire movement the og fire book is your money or your life like vicky robin yeah. yeah but yeah i think i got most of my information from blogs Mm -hmm. and there's like, it's just kind of exploding now to the amount of people that are participating in blogging and putting information out there. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for you to find somebody that you connect with. Mm -hmm. You said not everyone's going to connect with someone who's trying to spend $2,000 a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that may not be who you want to read. Mm -hmm. So there's other people out there like physician on fire or early retirement now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can definitely find someone who's kind of, pushing the same direction as yeah. you or has the same value as you. So I think mm-hmm. blogs are like the, the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mr. Money Mustache was like right. a favorite of ours. Yeah. Um, so I would check that out. And mm-hmm. where can people see you guys and your work? Yeah, so we have a YouTube channel. We publish videos every week and we have a blog too. And all of it is under the same name. It's Owen. Our last name is Owen. Your future.com and Owen, your future on YouTube and on social media everywhere. I will link to all that. And then you, so where can people go for your November 1st class on financial freedom? Yeah. So they can go to ownyourdebtcourse.com 
dash webinar backslash webinar <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link okay um, yeah i'll put it and, in the show notes in case yeah. anybody is looking for that well thank you guys so much this has been so interesting i really love like one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast is to show that there are alternative ways to live and we don't have to all kind of stay in this cookie cutter mold that was made for us that's no longer serving us and i think you guys are a prime example of that. I think it's so cool what you're doing. I loved watching your YouTube videos and I will definitely be following along. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much for having us. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. I can't tell you how much it means to me. If you liked the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It'll help other people find the show. If you want to connect or reach out, follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Lessons from a Quitter and on Twitter at Quitter Podcast. I would love to hear from you guys and I'll see you on the next episode.